2: You are listening to Mist Apex Podcast. We live. F1. Welcome to Mist Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Leave Me Alone Max. I know what I'm doing. I'm your host Richard Reddy, but my friends call me spanners, so... Let's be friends. Welcome to the Miami race review for a Grand Prix that was okay for a street track anyway. A mixed up grid provided some unshuffling and also provided an intriguing split of strategies that kept some of us engaged. But it's a much needed victory for Max Verstappen to restore the status quo. So coming up, we'll discuss, has Max stamped a message across the Red Bull garage Can Perez gather himself for a triple-header boat party push? Come on, Perez, you love a boat party. How long can Alonso keep this up? All season? Beyond? And more on this glamorous and razzmatazz-filled episode of Missed Apex Podcast. But first, let me remind you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're joined by the superstars of Mist Apex Podcast. He's the co-host with the second most, a man who can press a combination of three buttons while blowing down a pipe. It's Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, So that's what strategy is. I was beginning to wonder. So we've seen a little bit of a strategic element and we've got a kind
3: of won and lost strategy corner, which we've not had for a while. Yeah, I mean, because they forgot to send out the red flag for the imaginary (laughs) debris at turn (laughs) seven. Yeah. We actually just got to see the strategy play out, and it turns out, like, I don't know, this might not be the... Most barn burner race I've ever seen, but it was certainly a lot more interesting than the last couple, if you ask me.
2: There's some debris on the track, and there's Derek in race control, hovering and twitching over the red flag button, like a like an addict waiting for his next hit. No, Derek, no, it's not the right time. Uh, let's introduce the rest of our star-studied panel. He's got the silky-smooth voice of the mist apex i racing cup he's also the voice of mist apex karting and gt something something more recently
4: it's chris stevens how's it going chris hey spanners man i have missed your dulcet tones while i have been off gallivanting on uh, various projects it's been a while since i've been on the show but i'm yeah happy to be back you've
2: abandoned us but like the prodigal son we are going to kill a fatted calf in your honour and a man that drives pretend race cars while wrestling a cat it's streamer and sim racer scott stuffy Tuffy.
5: hey spanners hey guys yes i need what pirelli put into their hard tyre compounds into my road car because i'd never need new tyres again Ooh,
2: thought you were going to go in a different direction there uh but that is your panel stuffy chris <laughs> and matt trumpets and look the the race, I thought, for a, a street circuit actually made it possibly move up to the top of the the non-permanent circuits. I think this track has potential. The event has potential. But first of all, Matt, you brought the American razzmatazz. And I put on Twitter, I thought that was good and fun and entertaining. Thumbs up or something like that. And everyone went, boo, it was cringe. It was horrible. But I think it reflected your culture. And I think it was earnest, if nothing else.
3: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, come on. How long have we put up with your endless apologizing and understatement? It's time for a little bit of fun. And let's face it, Miami is its own special world. And the yeah, what can I say? Americans, uh, we don't really care that much what you think.
2: But yeah, and, and especially for a country that had a 17-hour coronation over the weekend, we are on very dodgy ground. When it, when it comes to things like that. I enjoyed it, Chris. I think um, if Formula One is going to appeal to the Americans, you know, a little while ago when they did it at Cota with the announcers, it seemed a little bit off kilter. But now as we become more Americanized as a sport, you know, why, why not? Why not make a big deal out of the drivers? Make them superstars. You've just got to tell the drivers that they're superstars so they don't awkwardly shuffle on in an apologetic manner. I
4: don't know. I felt like it was a little understated. <laughs> actually, and they didn't make it into a big enough of a deal like they did at COTA uh, a few years ago.
2: So you want more? Chris Stevens says America, go harder. And um, but from a racing <laughs> point of view, uh, Stuffy, actually, overall, uh, with your expectations kind of being limited for temporary circuits and from last year, oh, I think the track has got it's got potential. It's a bit more racetracky than I felt it was last year.
5: Yeah. It- I wasn't too excited going into this weekend um, because I thought the race last year was a bit drab and the track itself doesn't really stand out. Especially, I, I hate tracks that got really long straights because, and as we've had the discussion about DRS overtakes a lot and how they kind of devalue certain overtakes. But yeah, no, it, especially after the qualifying, I was really excited and while I still have my issues with this race, it was a massive improvement, and um, yeah, still think a couple of changes could be made to the actual circuit. Though, hate that chicane still uh, under the bridge, but yeah, surprisingly well, actually, better I, than expected.
2: Can I take issue with that? Because I know I'm the first one to to talk about chicanes and not liking them, but it's it feels like it's an opening chicane, and I quite feel I feel like they're sort of attacking that corner as one corner, and then really it's all about how much of that curb you can risk. To to then plant it, so it doesn't feel like a like an Imola sector three kind of chicane. I I actually quite enjoyed you know the challenge of seeing how much the drivers would chunk out of it.
5: No, it's like washing a Hot Wheels car. Oh. go over <laughs> like a bump in the carpet or something. It just I don't know. It just doesn't seem very F one to me. It's just slumped there. Do you remember the Singapore chicane that they had for a couple of years? That horrible one. It was just I don't know. It just doesn't provide anything to it like the the all-important corner is the tight turn 16 onto the back straight the little chicane before it is just a bit gimmicky and just been shoved there to slow the cars down i get why it's there but other than that yeah uh, it was much better race than expected
3: well i just wanted to get in and talk about the drs a little bit because the uh, drivers were unanimous that they need to be consulted about the DRS. And as it turns out, the FIA do this by running simulations based on last year's number till they have enough of this year's races to pick DRS links. But it happens months before the race, and actually more than a few people pointed out that the drivers actually kind of had been consulted, but they had just forgotten about it because all that they ever think about is the next race. And I thought that was just a minor and... Highly entertaining detail about it, and they couldn't adjust it because they put these timing loops into the asphalt, and it's just too expensive and time consuming to move them once these determinations are made.
4: Yeah, and all the drivers really complained about the fact that it had been shortened compared to last year. I mean, I know drivers love complaining about things, but <laughs> bearing in mind it had happened in Baku, and we had a bit of a snooze fest, they were worried about the show but actually the drs worked kind of perfectly this weekend and exactly the way it is intended to it wasn't a free overtake and it was getting the cars in a position to to overtake and doing a really good job i think with the exception
3: of red bull i think red bull needed an extra less they needed another minus 500 meters of drs (laughs) if we were really going to even things up but otherwise yeah point taken
2: okay so like matt you mentioned in your intro we did actually have a little bit of strategy so why don't we go and explore where the race was won and lost Okay, so let's start with uh, the first things first is it was another one-stop stuffy, another one-stop from Pirelli.
5: Yes, uh, I've checked back through the stats and I think I'm right that we haven't seen an actual two-stop race yet being the prime strategy. I know we've had some safety cars sprinkled in which have ruined strategy, i.e. Australia, but Bahrain was a one-stop, Saudi was a one-stop, Australia potentially could have been a one-stop as well. Pre-Carnage, yeah. Amount of, yeah. yeah. So this is the fifth race now as a bijama, as a one-stop. And it's the second week in a row where we've had the hard tyre pretty much be able to go from start to finish. And I don't know. I know Matt's ready, ready to li- lash <laughs> out at me. To defend Pirelli. I, they've either done two of one things, Pirelli. They're either being very conservative on the compounds they're selecting, or they have just been very conservative on the actual construction of the tire for this year and it's just providing we need at least an opportunity of a two-stop race being there and at the moment it's being there isn't that two-stop element i i agree
4: but even pirelli's own target is to have two-stop races and they're falling short of that target uh for i think a, a variety of reasons i think if we're taking the softest compound of tire to racetracks even if they have been freshly resurfaced like they were in Baku and in Miami and we're we're not seeing a push to a two-stopper then I think there is something you know in the construction of of the tire and I think the other problem as well that's leading into it is we've had the return of this surface overheating issue when following a car closely which was a really major issue pre-22 to following closely and in 22, they managed to solve that, uh, and we we had a lot, much more exciting racing and a lot better strategy, I think, for it because they had to push more in the races. But now that we've got that issue back again, with uh, with whatever they've changed to the tires f- for this year, it's encouraging a less racing and B to just kind of sit back and and coast the rubber a little bit more.
5: Yeah, the, the one thing that I just I just really annoyed me today was just seeing. Not Max out up front, he was there on merit, but the fact of it, he was on 40-plus old hard tyres and was still setting faster lap times than Lewis Hamilton, who had just come out on fresh mediums. Now, I get that Red Bull is a rocket ship, but in no way, no matter what car, no matter what driver, should someone be able to set, be the fastest car on the racetrack with that old attire, it's just that was just so frustrating to see. Yeah, I, I promise I'll let Matt into uh, chomping at the bit, Pirelli
4: in a second. But this is where I think the three compound rule kind of misses the mark a little bit because essentially what we have is a good quality tire, but a bad race tire, and then two quite good race tires. For me, but you know, before the three compound rule the teams would then have to run the, the rubbish race tyre yeah, at some yeah, point.
2: Yeah, yeah, good And that point. would... Oh, that's to, a really that's good G point. A little bit more. Yeah, a lot of times, like, when you had to qualify on the tyre you were going to start the race on, that would obviously yeah. mean that you had this, like, five-lap old, you know, five-lap uh, lasting tyre. Um let, Let's get to Matt, because I think, like, we're feeling a little <laughs> bit negative about, about the tyres there. Some really good points. The hard shouldn't be putting a fastest lap after 40 laps. Uh, they, they get to basically th- discard the quality tyre forever and don't have to use it in, in the race. And Pirelli are being quite conservative. That's the case for the prosecution.
3: Well, I mean, uh, you want me to say something? Fine, I will say something. Uh, first of all, you've had two tracks in a row that were almost entirely resurfaced. How Pirelli is supposed to engineer for that specifically, I don't really know. Secondly, you have cars that are this year almost, what is it, two seconds faster in lap time and qualifying than they were last year. Pirelli has to make a tire that won't go bang because we all remember the disaster at Silverstone where the teams were still running the tires the wrong way on the wrong sides of the car, which contributed mightily to that. But they have their own brand and image they need to protect and they do have to build a tire that is ultimately safe with the amount of energy these cars but through them with the amount of downforce they generate and on top of that you know we used to have that rule but then what would happen is all the fastest teams you know mercedes red bull and ferrari would just use medium tires and then they would be the only ones to be able to use medium tires at the start and your midfielders would be disadvantaged so there's no real gain to bringing back the qualifying rule that requires you to start on the soft tire to
2: to be fair that's not quite what chris was saying i think i i I led you down that path matt
3: okay fair enough yeah i think chris What were you saying chris and then i'll tell you why that is wrong (laughs)
4: No, I mean, just go back to having two compounds. A a yeah, yeah, very yeah. quick tire that is good for quality, and then you
3: also have to run in the race. And yeah. um, uh, I mean, yeah, but ha- that wouldn't have stopped a one-stop race today. Uh, possibly not. W- but why is w- that? Well, if the
4: mediums were going twenty laps and, and then falling apart, then yeah, it would have done.
2: Yeah, because then you and would then have they
3: had to would use... have just put the hard
2: on. Softly, yeah. me- yeah. you wouldn't have
4: had a hard yeah, time. Okay. That's the
3: point.
2: That no, I think that's <laughs> that's Chris's point. Um, that might be one for for an off-season news show. But
3: Well, no, what you're saying is you wanted um, Pirelli to only bring the C3 and the C4 yeah. tire to this race. The C4 tire, the soft tire, which McLaren ran at the beginning and lasted exactly four laps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then that a medium tire that lasts 20 laps. So now yeah. we're talking three or four stoppers. But again, the other issue today, and I, and I do want to point this out, uh, this was problematic and we'll get into our strategy. So I'm just going to bring it up. The temperatures today were unusual compared to the rest of the week. And so some of also what we saw today was the teams being very conservative because they really didn't have a lot of long run data at these temperatures on these tires. And beyond that, I could talk for 20 minutes about how the tires are put together and why they don't work the way they did. But (laughs) I can see that Spanners doesn't want me to do that.
2: Well, I do want to get into some, some racing action and strategy in a bit as well. But quick points from Chris and Stuffy.
4: Well, yeah, so just on that, part of what also played into today's race as well was the huge washout that happened after qualifying. Absolutely chucked it down with rain. So it, all weekend, they've been laying down fresh new rubber onto this very fresh surface, and it's been completely washed um, away. So we had a totally green circuit for the start of the race.
5: I think just to add to... What everyone's been saying i think what we've got here is the disparity between the hard tire being too durable and then the compounds below that because the medium is only one level below and the soft tire being two levels below and then being just wearing off too quickly of course track conditions are so many different elements that go into it which matt needs his whole show for but it's just, that's why I'm saying Pirelli are just dropping the ball here with their tyres full stop, whether it's the compound they're choosing or the construction of them, and it just, it's mm. not boding well so far with five races in, and they haven't seen a two-stop, really.
2: And 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 it's distracting us from what we want to talk about, which is a bit of racing. <laughs> Lots of tyre topics up there, which I'm sure we can actually get to in the week because I know Matt has a full hour. Okay, hands up, hands up. Who wants a full hour of Matt just breaking down tyre strategy and compounds or whatever else he was saying? Um, No, no, not you guys. I was hoping it would get downvoted. No, we can do that. We can definitely, definitely do that. Um, But for now, I want to get into the intrigue of the championship battle between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Max Verstappen uh, made a, a mistake, which seemed to be a continuation of a rare uh, dip in form in Q3 and then was unlucky and unable to set a lap, which gave uh, gave us a bit of a mixed up grid with uh, Lewis Hamilton down in 13th as well. Magnussen up in fourth and, um, and and the Alpines looking uncharacteristically high. So I think that was the first blessing for the Miami race, which is we had a mixed up grid to unshuffle. Maybe the secret will be some kind of random or reverse qualifying. I bet you F1 will be looking at that today and saying, hmm, I think that qualifying mixed up grid kind of saved the race and saved this from, from even more accusations of, of boring F1. Don't be surprised to see a change in the quali- qualifying format coming to a Grand Prix near you. But Max had a disadvantage. Perez goes on to, to take a, a gizit poll, an easy poll, um, but he never looked like the faster driver yet it's a hard track to overtake on the prize for Sergio Perez today was that if he won this race fastest lap or not he would go into a two-week break leading the world drivers championship after five rounds and that would have been no mean feat at all but not to be it looked like uh, Verstappen had the pace over Perez and let's look into the reasons why okay so when the the tyre blankets came off and we saw there was a handful of cars: Verstappen, Hamilton, Stroll, Sonoda, uh, and a couple of others starting on hards. Did we pick that out as the best strategy? I guess we go to Matt for that. Uh, and look, we've straight back into tyres straight away. But this is more about strategy than the tyres themselves. Did you pick that out as a, a risk? Because I, I looked at that straight away and I thought, oh, it's it's um it always looks like a bit of a bums game when you you qualify out of position and go, oh, we'll we'll, we'll do the alternate strategy. We'll do something cheeky and different.
3: Well, I think it was a good strategy if you were a fast car that qualified very out of position. I think it was a less good strategy if you were a fast car that didn't qualify that far out of position because the inherent problem with the hard tire going long is you either count on a safety car or a red flag pull your uh, danglies out of the fire, or you're stuck with essentially an undercut against you by all the people that you're racing. And in the event that they're faster on the tire than you are, uh, uh, you lose out at the beginning because people are on faster tires. You gain back near the first pit stop when their tires go off, but then they're on faster tires. You're on older tires. If you can't be as fast as them there then that strategy simply doesn't work and it worked very well for some people for Stappen, hamilton and not so well for others yeah so 100%
4: they're gambling on a on a safety car but what kind of exacerbated this strategy for me was the fact that they were running on a completely green circular like we alluded to earlier because of the overnight rain so they're starting on a if they're starting on a softer compound on a completely green track it kind of opens it up more to a little bit extra wear that graining that they were talking about in the build up to the race whereas if you started on the hard tire which ended up being a very very good uh race tire and qu- quicker actually not long into the race than the mediums so they were able to utilize that advantage but then also reap the benefits of the, the softer tire towards the end of the race when the track had rubbered in a little bit after 40 or so laps of of running. So they almost got a sort of double benefit in there because they were also an awful lot fresher, like more than 20 laps, 25 laps or 26 uh, laps in Max's case against uh, Checo's tyres. There's really no coming back from that, actually. But, you know, if Red Bull were to then put Perez on the hard tyre at the start of the race... Then it's very likely he would have been kind of eaten up by the pack a, a bit, little bit, or it would have tie, been quite a bit, quite a big really. risk. It's good stuffy.
5: Yeah, the all the data Christian Horner came onto the radio when asked by Sky Sports, and they said, "Would you have started Perez on the hard?" And they went, "No." It, all the data they had, all the simulations, the data from the weekend, all stated the medium tire, medium to hard, was the optimum strategy, as Matt alluded to if you're in a fast car like Max was being on the hard tire where, you know, you're probably not going to be too far off pace of the cars ahead on a softer compound tire. Once they pit earlier on, you've then got the clear air to do an overcut and quite easily he did that anyway. I mean, he absolutely cut through the field, but that was their intention. Little did they know that that race was just going to fall into Max's hands and Mm. the credit where it's due. He still has to get the job done out on track and he managed those tires. But the guys at the end who went on to the mediums, they only really got a few laps of the benefit of the medium tire. Even then at the end, Max said he had to manage the tire and Lewis as well. Because Sergio came on the radio and was like, Is he is he struggling? Is there something wrong? And he was like, No, they're just he's just managing. So yeah, medium was just horrendous today. It was uh, tables turned on its head in regards to strategy.
3: Which brings us back to the temperature of the track. At the beginning, the medium didn't work as well because the temperatures were cooler and the cars had full fuel. So you had, and and Perez alluded to this in his post-race interview, I had graining. I didn't really get the pace out of the mediums that I wanted, which is also why a car like Verstappen, who's passing people that he's a second a lap faster than, could pass them on the hard tire without burning them up without overheating them. It really, for him and for Hamilton, it put the game very much into their hands, as also people would pit out of their way as they continued. So he could really manage all the factors. The other thing that happened today, and we saw it with a number of midfield runners, I think a lot of people anticipated a safety car and were a bit short-fueled. So there was a lot of lift and coasting going on that, that kind of robbed us of maybe a couple of interesting battles at the end of the race as well.
4: And, and why is the harder compound quicker than supposedly a softer, you know, tire? Because nine times out of 10, that softer tire will be quicker than a harder tire. That's the general rule of thumb. But that kind of 10% of the time, you're talking about like chemical reactions with how the tire interacts with the surface. And it gets all incredibly complicated. So My it is a God. rarity.
2: Are you guys on a dare? Is this a dare to see how much title you can get in? Oh, uh, stuffy.
5: Well, I, th- I think Spanners. yeah. Overall, Max though, had the best of Sergio this week. The first, after the first two practice sessions on Friday, I think if you offered Sergio a second place, he probably would have taken it. Yeah. Max had a couple of attempts in his pocket. Look, a bit unfortunate with maybe a gust of winds. They was all cutting that curb um, on the entry to turn seven, the fast left-hander. Yeah. And, yeah, I think obviously he's gonna be hurt but he still lost the race from his teammates starting in ninth position. But you could see he was a little bit of a chirpy chappy afterwards. He didn't seem like a man who was too down. He was like, ah, it's the rubber the green. Didn't go for me today. It's a long season. Mm. Look, I'm sure there's I'm still sure there's gonna be some reliability issues in that red ball at some point throughout the season. Max complained again today of issues with upshifts. Some, some gremlins are going to ha- appear, maybe, is maybe, I, I just hope more than anything, <laughs> but might well. might give some intrigue in this season. But yeah, I, I think overall yeah. Max, Max had the, the result, um, had the better of, sorry, of Sergio, and that's mm. probably why he wasn't too upset.
2: No, nah, turn, turn seven, is that the, that's the one that goes into the wall of probably won't ever be a champion?
5: That's, That's Charles Leclerc's one. corner, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Oh, Charles Leclerc's corner. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, so like last week where where Max kind of had a soft landing with the safety car, because it's something to look at. Oh, he didn't have the pace, yeah, but that safety car, I, w- I would have been ahead. Perez kind of has the alternate strategy to fall back on today to kind of go, oh, well, that strategy hurt me. But but I think you're right. Like if you're Perez and you're up against uh, Max Verstappen, you've already won two and a half races and then you get to this 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 time on a Friday and you go, oh, I probably don't have I probably don't have the pace. A, you want to make sure you definitely finish second and that you if you're going for a Rosberg season, you you'd need to be finishing second and then wait for that that reliability thing. Um uh, and then and then it's nice to kind of also can you show a bit of pace for morale for the people on your side of the garage, because it's a bit of a, a team game. I um, just wanna to touch on one point quickly, which is a curiosity that I hope will come up on a tech time which is that I don't get worried for Max when he has some kind of issue and some kind of problem. I feel like when there's an issue with Verstappen's car, and there tends to be an issue with Verstappen's car and not Perez's car, it's because they're testing something cheeky out. So last year, there was a flappy rear wing. Every time they opened the DRS, it looked like it was going to flap and take off. Now they've got mega DRS. Supersonic DRS. So I think the headrest and the upshifts that he's having problems with, that will all turn out to be, like, by the end of the season, he's got, every time he upshifts, he jumps over a car, and then, and his head rest, it's something like he can pull his head forward, and that gives him even more DRS. So I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that. Uh, But yeah, Matt, I think, strategies aside, there's there's no doubting that was was Verstappen's race almost from the beginning, uh, but it was just, you know, there was that factor for Perez. Because you're on pole, because you've got an eight place advantage, is there is there something you can do? Uh, but in the end, you know the the other cars sensibly just got out of Max's way.
3: Well, yeah, that's part of the problem. No one was really going to fight him too hard because they they do have that massive overspeed on the straights. But I think with regards to Perez. And this is where it gets interesting. I think the car suited Max. They got the setup. They got like the little adjustments exactly where Max wanted. He was able to maintain his pace. He was able to look after the tires. He was able to manage the fuel. I don't feel like Perez, unlike last week, I don't feel like he ever got the car quite where he wanted it this weekend. And it was always going to be a question of could he hang on? could could other people and could he make it hard enough for Max yeah. that that he could just he could hang on and win mm. but if he did it was going to be a defensive win not a i'm as fast as or faster than you we've seen that mm. at other tracks though and it could come back and Max's performance in the first qualifying session yeah. to me is very interesting cuz that's the kind of thing that you do when you're not entirely convinced you're going to beat your teammate and so you think you have to start in front of them
2: i, I obviously I'll declare i am hoping that perez will beat verstappen and it's not just an anti verstappen thing i've i've been a perez fan for a long time um but this time last season for example chris you know we were going well you know can perez beat the rest of the pack i know it's a rocket mm. ship and i know mercedes and ferrari have fallen away he's at least comfortably ahead of those which was very much the 2016 Rosberg scenario, and then you know, focus in and, and look at the races you can win. Look at your Baku, look at your Monaco, Miami. You, you could argue was a maybe a missed opportunity, but I really, I really don't think that is it is all lost. Uh, you know, for Perez, Verstappen no. obviously the favourite.
4: No, and a, he was very quick in Spain last year as well. Arguably oh, he should yeah, have yeah. won that race, were it not for the uh, hey. team orders maybe. Of, right at the end of the race. But for for me, where Max really made the difference today was a getting through the pack without losing time to to Perez. So Perez, obviously, yes, he was, he was managing the ties in the early stages of the race, but by the time Max got up to second, he was only five seconds away from Perez. Compare that to Saudi Arabia, for example, where he was well over a pit stop behind by the time he got up to a decent um, position. And then in the pit stop when the strategies were overlapping, where after Perez had pitted and Max was uh, leading before his stop, and able to just churn out those lap times, whereas Perez wasn't quite able to consistently match those times, mm. and, and Max was able to just draw himself a little bit closer. And fair play to him, when Max did come up to the back of him on those medium, those fresh medium tyres, yeah, he, wasn't he too- did make him work for it, and he couldn't have done any more than what he did to keep Verstappen at bay.
2: Oh, I think, no, yeah, he, he showed him the outside used- at the end of that long straight, and, and then... I think, I think into turn one, Perez was really did wrap the steering to the right. to Because that's a corner where you go back out. You, it's a right-hander, and then you go back out to the right for the next left-hander. I think Perez was incredibly generous. not Because you, you he's not obliged to go back out to the right. He could have hung Verstappen out to dry on the left-hand side if he'd I wanted don't think,
4: to. I don't, he wasn't really ahead, though. Max had already sort of got his car halfway ahead. Mm. And at that point, Perez isn't dictating the line. And, you know... You, talking about the move at the, the hairpin at the end of the, the long straight, I fully expected Max to just be able to sort of come underneath him and get ahead of him before they even got to the, the line. So I think Perez did a great job. Stuffy. I, I,
5: I think overall Max was just biding his time. Like you, I thought that as well. I thought he was going to get the cutback done onto the start-finish straight, but he, he kind of just sat back. And the thing is, not to mention that dirty word again, tires, but... He just especially through the slow section for the marine the fake marina and the Chicane and the all important slow turn sixteen, he just had so much grip and drive out of the slower corners with the fresh rubber compared to 30 old lap hard tires that um, Sergio had and was already struggling on. So it was just that they was it's the first time they've gone side by side all season and one of them's had to overtake each other on track. It was intriguing that it was respectful, plenty of room left together, and there was all smiles at the end of the <laughs> race. But if it was a little bit more of a level playing field, same tyres and stuff, I think that would have been a lot more feisty. And I'm mm. looking forward to hopefully more wheel-to-wheel action um, in the season. From above. so, what
2: we've got, we've got, we've got Imola. Uh, definitely would um, would fancy Verstappen for that. I know it's tight, but it's a little bit more like traditional. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Perez has got history at Monaco certainly that's winnable for him and uh, can probably be competitive at Barcelona as well. But he's quite key. You know, if he was to nick a couple of those, it's still wide open. We still have uh, a fight at the front and uh, I think we can head quite a long way back down uh, before we get to the next car, which is a a distant Alonso. But Chris, a last point on on the Red Bull battle.
4: Yeah, so what's going to be really key is like back in the Merck era of dominance of Hamilton and Rosberg, those championships were decided on days where things went wrong for them yeah and it was really it was it wasn't so much about the wins it was about the second places or the podiums you could sneak it was about how you recovered from the bad races if you're finishing 1 2 every race then you have to make the difference in the races that you're not finishing 1-2 in. And that is going to be the case for Perez and Verstappen today, uh, this year.
2: Oh, quick one. There was a conspiracy theory that Red Bull weren't giving Perez any updates, but Verstappen was getting loads of updates. That can't be true. That is just going to be an anomalous thing of what radio messages were getting broadcast. There's absolutely no way that Perez would have been, unless there was a fault... In the radio, which there didn't seem to be, that has got to be a, a mis, misstep on the reporting, it, or, it, or, or there's further information that's going to come. I don't believe that for a, for a second. I do, I do think the team had started off favouring Red Bull, and I think if it was last season, there might have even been some low-key Ferrari-style shenanigans uh, moving Perez out of the way. I genuinely don't think there's any reason for Red Bull to do that this season, and I don't, I just don't think they are. So I, I do think this is a straight fight. It's a car that does kind of seem to see Perez better and uh, looking forward to see what might come in the next few races. Bad news for anyone who predicted the imminent and early demise of Aston Martin as the season developed. Um, but we are still very much in the, the first phase of the season. Traditionally, Barcelona uh, was the place where updates come but everyone is talking about Imola this season but I am I am surprised and and pleased for Aston Martin and Alonso that they are hanging on this long to being kind of solidly the second fastest well I'm going to say car because it's just the one car isn't it at the moment the caveat I will put to all of that is that you know my predictions were obviously season long there is still a Ferrari and Mercedes shaped hole between Red Bull and and Aston Martin, but Aston Martin are delivering to their potential at the moment. Certainly, Alonso is. How long can it last, Stuffy? How long can the Alonso dream continue?
5: As long as he wants. Age doesn't. Age is just a number to him, isn't he? Who would have thought that we would see a Formula One driver competitive in their forties? We saw we saw Schumacher come back for kind of like a. Uh, last hurrah season at Mercedes, or was it two seasons in his 40s? But Might, he was, might even have been three.
2: But yeah, and it was a appropriate. Was it free? it was like, the, here's what a really, really top driver can do, almost, almost out of his era, Schumacher. Yeah. F1 was a different, completely different place. If you looked at the grid he was up against, and then the grid he finished his career in, like he was really up against... Pro athletes shaped in the mold of the Schumacher shadow. That wasn't the case when he started, but he made that was age appropriate. He looked kind of like a, a good forty-year-old, but now, um, yeah, Alonso's making a lot of us other forty-something-year-olds
5: look like look like mugs. Yeah, it's, and do you know what it is? I know you said there's a Ferrari and Mercedes hole ahead a of Aston, hole, yeah. But isn't it a bit of a shame? Not a shame if you're a Red Bull fan, but isn't it a shame? that Red Bull are so far ahead because we could have a four... If they were the same pace as Aston Martin or Ferrari, we could genuinely have four teams. Okay, not necessarily eight drivers because some are better than others, but eight drivers fighting potentially out for the win and for the championship, which would have been the ideal situation. But unfortunately, obviously, that hasn't been the case. But yeah, I mean, you can't knock Alonso. Uh, Everyone went... He's leaving Alpine to go to Aston Martin. Idiot. What an absolute yeah. loon. And i tell you what, he's got so much time on his hands in his races. He's got time to watch the TV screens. He, he complimented Lance Stroll's overtaking <laughs> to turn one. And like, sorry, you're that far ahead just driving around Miami casually in, in one of the fastest <laughs> cars in the world and uh, watching the TV at the same time. I just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, no matter what you think of the man. Yeah, and and whatever happens, I think
2: now, Chris, let's say their Imola upgrade isn't as good as Ferrari and Mercedes and they do drop to being fourth. Even the podiums that Alonso has got now, if that was it for the season, you'd go, that's a good season.
4: Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Mm. I think um, they were maybe helped a, a little bit by the fact that Ferrari weren't really on form, Mercedes wasn't really on form. We've seen that they have been able to challenge for podiums in some of the races this season, but Ferrari seemed to have this very aggressive setup that was difficult to drive, and that's maybe why Leclerc had so many issues, particularly in qualifying. Mercedes just still lack the raw pace. The worrying comments from them is like, "Oh yeah, the car's actually really well balanced," and, and you know, but it, well, that just means you don't have enough downforce, pure and simple, or enough straight line speed, or or whatever it is to match the the, the bulls, or even the... The Astons, who also seem very quick in a straight line, which is also a key component of this circuit as well. It's an oddly fast street track where they're doing 210 plus down that back straight, which is like Monza speed. So I I think they lacked a little bit of competition this weekend, but still they're right in the mix.
3: Matt, Well, well, I like this, actually. I'm glad we have brought this up. Um, Alonso had a very lonely race. It is true. However, if I'm looking at more or less the finishing positions and gaps, I note with some interest that Russell, in a car that he doesn't think is fast, only finished six seconds behind him. And I will add that Mercedes is bringing their big update, as far as I know, to Imola. So we have not even begun to see the best out of Mercedes just yet. Yeah. So it's a bit early to be crowning Aston the, the best of the not Red Bulls just yet well they are now
2: it's too early to crown them that for the end of the season but um our, our, our slack channel who's who's that uh martin has just you know he's put up the table and it's red bull on 224 points aston martin on 102 points with mercedes on 96 but i i don't want to make this point too early and i know i always get a little bit of stick when i do this but aston martin are doing it with one car i haven't got the driver table to hand but the Golf. Between Aston Martin, between um, the Aston Martin drivers, between Stroll and Alonso, is huge, and that isn't making Vettel look particularly good. Uh, it is making Lance Stroll look awful. Is this the plan? Is this the the succession plan at Aston Martin that you make Lance Stroll look very, very ordinary when he was looking great against a four time world champion last season? Um, I, I hope that for for his sake that there's a, a way back into it, but at the moment it's looking like it's it's the wrong decision to have Lance Stroll in that second car Matt. uh
3: 7527 in case you're interested
2: yeah and so in what people are saying at the moment is the second best car and i'm sure like i would put my mortgage on the fact that lance stroll is getting equal treatment Aston Martin. Unless there's like a, a below ground, below deck engine room conspiracy <laughs> against Lance Stroll, I'd imagine he's getting a fair shake of the stick. So to me, that's that's something we've really got to look out for. We predicted that Alonso was going to come in and and wipe the floor with uh, with Stroll, but it's it almost feels like Stroll's taken a step backwards the last couple of races. When actually, it's because he's up against one of the the greats of the sport. I he's doing better against Alonso
3: than I would, Matt. Well, he's not doing as good as other people have done against him in the very recent past yeah, in different yeah, teams. Yeah. Ocon,
4: but... Button, yeah, what,
2: you mean is... the
3: guy
4: that got spanked by Gasly this weekend? Oh, Oh, Dol, oh, funny. Funny. Oh,
3: oh, you mean Gasly <laughs> finished an entire place ahead of him? Oh, yes. Uh, okay, right. okay, okay, okay.
4: We can uh, we can slate Ocon later,
2: Chris. Don't worry.
3: But the point I want to make about this particular weekend uh, being bad for Stroll is, I believe Aston made a soft tire bet that went against Lance. That, that, that Fernando was able to pull off and that they didn't make a second run and the run they made was just a bit too early for the track evolution for Lance to have a uh, time to move on, which is why he started so far back. And although he made forward progress and had some racy race moments, it wasn't really the track um, that was going to help him. And, and I think he still just struggles uh, with the game of race car management a lot more than Alonso does, although he's much better at it now than he was four or five seasons ago.
2: Okay, some, some good mitigating factors there, Stuffy. But, you know, I just... Okay, well, if it's still like this halfway through the season, you know, that that's, you know, the the season gives and it takes away with luck and stuff like that. I don't think it's going to change necessarily. I, I can't see Stroll closing that gap.
5: No, I agree. I, I think there's a an element of pressure that he's struggling to deal with which is quite concerning this early on in the season um the first couple of races were kind of pressures all off him he was obviously injured no one expected him to make and he did really well and i think anyone who's played any sort of sport at any level when you go in you say you play some of your best sport when you're just have no expectations and i think now There's expectations, but he's back to be fully fitness. He's now up to speed, should be up to speed with the car. And there's the pressure there of being compared to Alonso all the time. And look, Alonso's chirpiness and his happiness and nice comments about Lance. And that's been mentioned on the pod before. He's quite um, a telltale sign that Alonso is very comfortable of the position he's in in that team of being the fastest driver. And the last couple of results have... Yeah, uh, kind of shown Mm. that he should at minimum be taking that car to a points finish. Very similar to how everyone always used to say the same of Max Verstappen's teammates, Gasly and Albon, that the minimum is that they have to score points. And when they was finishing outside the points, it's not good enough. But of course, uh, not everyone has uh, their dads pretty much buy an F1 team for it.
2: If they can keep this up even a little bit, if they they keep up a good upgrade package in, in Imola, have they got an upgrade in, in Imola? Is it, is it, are there some nods? Have they talked about it? I think so. I think so. So if they can at least be good enough, uh, and who says they, they wouldn't be able to, um, at least be good enough to, to keep up with whatever Mercedes are bringing and Ferrari are bringing, I've sort of given up on anyone catching Red Bull, despite Christian Horner talking about, oh, we've got that wind tunnel thing that's going to come back and bite us they're gone um, but i think we can genuinely look forward to an exciting five car battle for that next tier down and i don't think i don't think that's anything to to feel too sad about it's the second year of a regulation change let the regulations settle Matt. and then just as things are starting to clo- uh, close up let's drastically change everything get rid of the hybrid en- engines do sustainable fuels uh and then I'd make it three wheeled cars, and then one team will dominate again.
3: Uh, yeah, Reliant Robins. There we go. Yeah, we're not technically getting rid of the hybrids because we're keeping the curves, but we are ditching the MGUH just because I can't just not say that correctly.
2: Fair enough. Uh, let's um, let's jump down the grid again. Well, hopefully, uh, there's some new people listening who heard our our Acast. Recommends campaign. Thank you so much to Acast for supporting us for the last eight years. And if you heard an advert that said that I don't love my children when the race cars are on, I wasn't lying. It's it's true. There's an emotional barrier around dad once the the lights go out. And quite frankly, for qualifying as well, if I can get away with it. But we also uh, we offer some extra content on a Friday for our patrons. So perhaps consider going to Patreon.com forward slash missed apex see if any of those tiers suit you but the bottom tier uh, has me and matt waffling on a friday i think it was 45 minutes matt before we got onto um, any f1 which um, i don't know I didn't get any complaints but it's a nice relaxed atmosphere for us to talk to our patrons
3: yeah it's a casual chat with uh, about all sorts of stuff not just f1 but somehow it always winds up there And can I also
4: recommend to our lovely listeners and viewers that uh, if you're listening on the audio version, for example, that you check out the YouTube as well and go and give that a subscription and a thumbs up to all the videos. (laughs) Leave a comment as well while you're at it. And do be sure to follow us on social media at Missed Apex F1 on both Twitter and TikTok.
2: Spoiler, Chris does our PR.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's all my,
2: it's all my own work.
3: My favourite comments are always about how different we manage to look
2: than our voices sound. <laughs> Come and check us out on the YouTube or support us on Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Oh, Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari, Ferrari, they're Ferrariest today. And um, I do, I feel bad for Ferrari fans to to, to a point. Not going to get carried away, but I think we start with the very bad, terrible weekend from uh, Mr. Charles Leclerc, who is being touted, or had been being touted, as a potential world champion, Ferrari's next great hope. But his stock was driven into the ground today, as I think it's something we've talked about here on, on the show, especially when he first started at Ferrari, is that no one seems to crash in Friday practice more than he does he seems to find a wall very often Matt on a Friday and push things right to the limit and this weekend he did his typical Friday one which has kind of generally gone under the radar then did the same thing to cost himself in in qualifying and I I think everyone now is starting to get a little bit kind of concerned of well that's not quite that's not quite right
3: if by concerned you mean annoyed that yet another qualifying didn't come to fruition because a certain person in a Ferrari drove their car into a wall, yeah, then yes, Not I well. <laughs> would absolutely agree with you. And I'm going to point out that only Ferrari and Red Bull actually ran new soft tires in that qualifying. Everybody else was on old soft tires, scrubbed. And so that was, I mean, I guess from the racing point of view, that's great because we got a mixed up grid. But from a qualifying point of view, it's like, well, come on, man. All those midfielders who put it all on the line to get there didn't really get their chance at glory, now did they?
4: Oh, yeah. Chris? I mean, the bigger concern for me is that he struggled so much to get through the field. I mean, how long... Did it take him to pass Kevin Magnussen? And how many times, I loved I, I loved this, by the way, at no point did Kevin Magnussen accept that that Ferrari no. was going to stay ahead of him and he just came straight back at him. But, gee darn, it's awkward when your customer is passing <laughs> the works team, let alone when it's for the lower echelons of the points.
5: This is a man, and I've said it before, is who's given up on this season already. The only thing he has got to fight for is a pole position. Um, he, We know he's a, he's a driver who drives on the limit and over it. And he just he just goes beyond that. He needs to bring it back just 1%, half a percent. And he'll be such a better driver and a more consistent driver. And I just think he's just lost interest in any of the races. The only thing he's got to play for now is over a single lap. Mm. That's the only place they can beat Red Bull. He wants to be winning world championships. He doesn't want to be... It's a bit of arrogance as well. Um, but, yeah, he definitely seems like a man whenever he's racing. I don't want to be in the midfield. I don't want to be trying to overtake a Haas. Like, it's just And the car is just terrible in race trim, it seems. I'm better than this car, so I've got to overdrive it. Um, okay, so I'm going to stick
2: to what we know for a second. Apologies. I am not claiming that sim racing is anything like... Formula One, uh, but but Stuffy, you stream yourself on, on YouTube. And I think I've tried to have like an amateur climb up the iRacing F3 ladder. And what I found was I could be in the, the top level. I wouldn't have the ultimate pace. But, but more than that, as a, as an older driver, I always felt like I was driving at 98 or 90. Let's be realistic, about 90, because I was scared of going off and wasting my time. Because as a dad, my race time is more precious. And I can only like do two races you know, every now and then. Um, whereas a lot of the younger guys that are on there, they're, they're doing 100 races and they are constantly going, well, win or bin. I'll either win this or I'm in the wall. So no matter how consistent I was, out of the 10 other people around me, six of them might bin it off and three would win. And then they're happy because they're kind of going for that that moment of glory, that huge endorphin hit. And it feels like Leclerc feels like he can stomach those mistakes and go, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so sorry. But for him, the moment of glory of nailing that pole is worth driving at 110% over the limit, taking risks.
5: Exactly that, because they haven't got a car to compete in the races and they're barely able to get podiums. At the moment, it seems like over a race distance, the Aston Martin is just an all-round better car. Pace, top speed, cornering, tyres. And the Ferrari just starts off well, gets in a decent enough position for qualifying, and then... Just falls back. I mean, Carlos Sainz, he's is he? He's the other Ferrari driver, believe it or not. But no one even mentions him. You forget he's even on track because he just. Oh my god! I think. Oh, i just. I really like Carlos Sainz. He's consistent. He hasn't got the pace of Charles Leclerc. I think that's kind of evident to say and fair to say. But at the moment, he's the one that Ferrari are kind of relying upon to not been it and stay within the cost cap, because Charles is already on, like, his fifth gearbox. And, oh I, I mean, yeah, it's God. it's just not a good season for him overall, when it's if, only the fifth race. You often science... you
2: often uh, assassinate people
4: you're a fan of, do you? Uh, <laughs> if
2: that's I how you to... treat the I'm just an honest guy.
4: You're like... Chris. Well, I mean, Science can't even five-second penalty properly. Didn't even lose a place. Do it right. What? <laughs> like Matt, let like Matt.
3: Okay, so... I mean, I like this psychological explanation that LeClerc, realizing he won't win a race because the Ferrari is just not that competitive, has decided that uh, winning a poll is going to be his, I've won a Grand Prix. And then, and then in order to even get a poll, he has to take the kinds of risks that most people above the age of about 15 have left behind them. In order to um, in in order to have even a chance at that, uh, but I, I find signs interesting t- in today's race uh, because the thing I would like to he was good on the medium tire and this is Kemps from Vessura post race he was good on the medium tire struggled with the hard tire lost feeling with the car and Russell in fact passed him but he also had a five second penalty I would have been really curious to see if he had maybe worked a little bit harder to make Russell pass him if he'd not had that five-second penalty. That said, if we're talking about Aston, it's to be clear an Alonso in an Aston is faster than the Ferraris, not Aston in general.
2: Uh, no, uh, I don't know. Look, I, no, I am judging Aston Martin's engineering team and design team by what Fernando Alonso can do in that car. So I'm happy to say that Aston Martin is faster than than uh than the Ferrari. And you know what, if you if you want to do a kind of League of Justice for the cars, which we did I think we did for the twenty seventeen season, Matt, and we awarded Vettel's car the championship. We're like, no, you did well enough to to win the championship that season. Um I would be happy to just to take the best driver and kind of, you know, double their points and, and kind of judge the car ultimately on that. And by that basis, Ferrari are falling away. Badly, And it looks like they're not going to make progress. They don't typically develop as well as as Red Bull and, and Mercedes. So I, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with my early season prediction that come the middle of the season, you know, Ferrari are going to be firmly kind of third, fourth team.
3: Well, I will also point out that we're rapidly approaching the uh, Bonato left event horizon for Ferrari technical development here. As in, as in a lot of what we have seen in terms of the Ferrari car was the result of the team when Bonato was there and running it. But certainly, by the time we get to the summer break, anything he was responsible for will have been through the pipeline. And that's also post summer break, where if we see any effect from the Red Bull penalty, we'll be seeing it from summer break to the to testing next year. Uh, Charles, I think, had a problem with his car based on his crash yesterday. It was it, there were some weird oscillations that were giving him issues. And I think that's one of the reasons why he had so many issues getting around the the Haas. He just he didn't have the pace. The car didn't get put back together or there's some other problem that they induced when they, when they screwed it back together, too much bondo, I don't know. Um, at at certain tracks Ferrari will be competitive, but it's not looking great for them.
2: Okay. And I'm a little bit aware You know, with with shows and when you're putting together content or even doing social media, I'm telling you right now, it is much easier to be negative and it's quite instinctive. You see it on a lot of of platforms where it's much easier to pick out the things that are going wrong because the things that are going right kind of happen quietly and without too much fuss. And so as we move on to our next topic, I throw that out the window because I think I've got some negative things to say. Okay, so uh, Mercedes, will will start. I'm going to start with, with Lewis Hamilton. Big Lewis Hamilton fan. Disappointed today because Lewis Hamilton did some very Lewis Hamilton things over the weekend. And I, I do think he, he manifests issues and problems. When things are going wrong, I think the team has a hard time just snapping him out of it. And I, I think that's kind of crept in the, the last few years uh, but when you see like a problem, George Russell is is ruthlessly c- consistent at the moment. He seems to be going to put the George Russell potential much more consistently than last season when he was getting in a in a bunch of incidents. But for me, very, I was disappointed in qualifying. Yeah, that that sucks. Mercedes did seem to go out as a team that was very confident to make it out in Q three, way more confident than they, they they perhaps might have been or should have been. In a, on a track that was constantly changing conditions, they gambled everything on a on a last over the line push, and and something went wrong, and it didn't go his way. But Lewis Hamilton's reaction was was just so diff- was so slumped. You look at that body language, and in a way, I think I think Lewis likes just everyone to see how he's feeling. I don't think he hides it. I think he's a very emotional person. He's slumped as he goes into the garage, like he's literally his 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 helmet is pointed. Down at the ground, he hasn't taken his helmet off. There's there's no interviews or smiles on the on the way back to the paddock. And then things not going well at the start of the race today. So he's at 13th. He can't get past Albon because the, the Mercedes just never. It seems to be set up to be a rocket ship down the straight. And uh, not since you know the early hybrid era, he starts manifesting issues. You know, there's something wrong with the the front right wing. The wing's going. There's a vibration. Something's going wrong and you can hear his team kind of trying to talk him down, trying to say like, no, we think it's good. And as soon as he got clear air, you know, he's as Lewis Hamilton always wants to do. If it isn't going well, his instinct is let's pit. Let's get off these tyres. Give me some super softs. Give me some purple sidewalled super softs to to get up and running and, and cut through the field. That's what he wants to do. And his team has to say to him, no, we've got clean air. Let's let's see what your pace is like in clean air. And then when he got in the mediums, that car was good. You know the pace was good, and he he kind of made up most of the deficit from the band qualifying, which was to nearly get up to to his teammate George Russell, who had a who had a better qualifying. So, right, look, Stuffy, I think I think you're a, you're Hamilton friendly. You've got a Hamilton. Is that a Norris or Hamilton helmet in the background?
5: Uh, is a Hamilton oh, helmet the indeed? Hamilton. There
2: we go. So so you you're a Hamilton fan broadly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. So you, do you share my disappointment?
5: I do. I think Lewis was a typical racing driver this weekend, looking, I think he normally owns up to his own mistakes. But this year, uh, sorry, this this, this weekend, qualifying, he has no one else to blame but himself. He's the one who made the mistake into turn one and turn two, putting him out of shape and then pretty much giving him no opportunity to put in a good lap. There was nothing to do with him being put out late, as he suggested to the team. And then the things this weekend, look, we know, okay, the Mercedes, he's he's warranted in some of his criticisms of the car. Oh, sure. We know it's not the best, mm. but it should still be capable enough of getting its way through the midfield in his ca- in his hands and getting through. But he was just trying to look for every excuse possible. And, yeah, I mean, when it's, it's difficult. It doesn't matter who you are. When they're in that sort of mindset, it's tough to kind of get them out of it. Mm. Big fan of him, of course, but sometimes you have to – Hold your hands up and go, Look, that's an off weekend. weekend. That's
2: an off weekend. Matt, that's fair. That's fair, isn't it? Look, Hamilton's got an off weekend. Not the end of the world. A lot of drivers do, but this was certainly one.
3: I got to be honest. I was kind of with you till I got to every excuse possible. And despite your fantastic head of hair, (laughs) I'm going to have to firmly disagree. And this is why it's psychological performance here. But Hamilton complained bitterly about not making it through to Q3. And he blamed the team for putting him out late. Didn't help. And it didn't help. Maybe it didn't hurt. Maybe it didn't matter. But what that tells me was Hamilton was put out later than he wanted to go. And we've, you've had the, if you've ever had an argument with someone who has more information than you, you know how this goes. You're like, I don't know. I feel kind of hinky about it. Other person. I have way more information. We should do what I say. I still feel hinky. No, no, no. Trust us. Trust us. Then you go and do the thing and the thing doesn't work. And what are you going to say? Well, you're going to say, I kind of told you so you're wrong,
5: but he didn't not get a lap done in time. He made the mistake. He, he doesn't matter. He still has to get his head down. Okay. You've got issues. I get it. He may have held on to that quarrel with his team, uh, for a lot longer than other people would be able to, but yeah. he still went too deep into turn one, made a mistake into two, turn two, and he's there was no way for him to really recover that. So yes, you can say, look, your team put you out later than you wanted to, but you know what? He's a big boy. He's a professional racing driver and you need to get over it and just do the job that's at hand. Your teammate was able to do it and he was only just ahead of you. Mm. So look, sometimes you just have to admit that, it was your mistake. Ultimately, it was a driving error that put you out of shape, and then made you put put you on the back foot for today. Luckily enough, he was on the alternate strategy that was the best strategy. Yeah. So, and I'd also just I'd just add to
2: that, Matt. Um, he, he also at the beginning, although the broadcast didn't really catch a lot of the great midfield battles that were going on. He did lose out to Piastri, and then on the overtake, ran deep again. Only just held on, and then. You know, and then was not through his fault. I don't think struggling to get past Albon, and then struggling to get past Holkenberg uh, as well. So th- there was mistakes from from Hamilton.
3: Well, it doesn't have to be a perfect weekend to be a good weekend. Uh, and the point that I would make, because I have a different data point about today, has nothing to do with qualifying. But I will point out that an important. Aspect of qualifying is getting your tire prep, getting the tires exactly in the window, and then the later you go out, the more traffic you have, the harder that becomes because people slow down where you don't want to slow down, people go faster where you don't want to go faster. So that may have been some of what he's alluding to, but there was a message um, uh, from Bono to him on on the radio, just a little message that I think explains a lot of his unhappiness. He's like, "Um, "Just want you to know, Lewis." that all the cars that started on the softs have already pitted. And that was lap four. I think Lewis made a real serious argument to, to, to start on the soft oh, nice. tire today because he wanted to make up places immediately. And I think yeah. the engineers basically told him, ah, we don't really care what you think. You're starting on the hard tire. And I think a lot of the, oh, wait, am I using this word right? Stroppiness. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He had a right. He had the ump. He had the arm. Um, um. I got
3: one right. He had the got arm. one right. <laughs> it is down to the fact that I believe there was a uh, 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 disagreement uh, uh, of opinion about what tire to start on, and the engineers won that. And he naturally, even though he went along with them, was pretty unhappy because it wasn't giving him the feeling he wanted oh, to start hang of on. the race. We, we, we've
2: discussed this before. When when we think that when Hamilton feels like they went the wrong way, that he then almost doesn't want the solution to work because that would kind of make him wrong in the argument. And we've seen that played out on the radio. We're only guessing we only have very limited insight into that.
4: Chris, just to inject some positivity into this segment. No,
2: sorry, sorry, sorry.
4: (laughs) There is, uh, I mean, it was a great recovery in the end. As soon as them medium tires went on, he was sort of flying and that classic Lewis flair was starting to, to come back. up again. Yeah, I think it's sixth place from, from where he was. And particularly in the early stages 13th. of the race was really, really strong. And for George Russell as well, it's just, it's been just like another fantastic weekend for him where he seems to be getting the most out of the car and he's fighting with the Ferraris. He's beating the Ferraris. He's sort of clinging on to the back of the Aston just about. And I think that bodes well for later in the season, hopefully.
3: Yeah, and it's just the nature of the hard tire. It's not going to be great for about the first 8 or 10 laps compared to the medium tire. But once the hard tire comes in, it stays good for such a very, very, very long time. We saw this in Saudi Arabia, and he was on the best strategy for him. It wasn't the best strategy for every car in the race, but it was definitely the best strategy for him.
2: Well hang on uh, if we can we can have a little look can't we we can look at the the drivers that started on hards so stroll gained six places obviously this is skewed though because all the drivers I'm going to talk about uh, qualified poorly out of position and that's what made them go onto the the hard tire in the first place but stroll gained six places Sonoda six places hamilton seven he'd have probably taken that at the start of the race uh, verstappen eight and then holkenberg uh, Ocon and Joe uh, lost uh, a couple of places. Chris,
4: see, I don't think Sonoda, Hulk, even Joe—they're not really out of position. No, they're but sort of f- in the mix. Oh, Sonoda absolutely was. Yeah, no, God, f- pff, please, yeah, please. he started
3: like seventeenth. That car is not. That car that, is faster than that. No, it isn't. That yes, car is, is like the second worst one in the in the
2: field. Ooh, that's our next argument for a midweek show. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I. So yeah. I wonder if the the hard tyre looked... It was the better strategy, it looks like, but it was flattered as well by the fact that the drivers who benefited from that also qualified out of position as well.
3: It was 100% that. And we can look at someone like Ocon, who qualified eighth and should have qualified uh, either one spot ahead or one spot behind Gasly, because in the first two qualifying sessions, they were both separated by about two or three hundredths of a second. But because they were only out on the scrub tire, Gasly ran a faster lap and they were what, three, three spots apart, four spots apart. And you can see he lost out at the beginning, eventually ran onto pace and and wound up losing a position. So it was kind of a null strategy. Whereas if he'd started on the medium tire, he, I, I reckon he might've been able to get up to seventh because he had, he did have really good pace and he's got, I think, slightly better tire management because he's. I'll just say it. Maybe he's more talented, but mostly he's more experienced and familiar with the car.
5: Stuffy. Matt, if you aren't invited to Man Ocon's next birthday party, I mean, <laughs> wow! Biggest, biggest cheerleader. That's that's all I needed to say. It's just no, that's fine. I, I I don't deny that he's a, he's a good driver, but. Wow, That's <laughs> every single—it's just brilliant. Every single podcast is just <laughs> well, and that one. is why number one, de- number one defense, and Love that it. is why
2: on Mr. Apex podcast, I always ask everyone who are their favourite drivers, and when they say I don't have one, like Chris does, I go, "You're a, a dirty, <laughs> dirty liar. Why are you turning my shed into a shed of lies?" But but broadly, the panel are more than happy to say, "I support Ocon, I support Perez," and therefore we can take that in in context, Chris.
4: The question matthew is would those drivers have made the same gains running the same strategy as everyone else and trying to use their raw pace because then suddenly that that hard tire strategy is incredibly justified
3: which is why i said it depends on the driver for hamilton yes for max absolutely for Ocon. No, not so much. He wasn't that far out of place. So there was no benefit to medium tire runners pitting out of his way and then him driving into that gap. And that's where we saw the advantage with Verstappen. That's where we saw the advantage with Hamilton, because they not only were faster and able to make overtakes, but they had a lot of traffic cleared out of their way by the earlier pit stops of the cars ahead that were quick initially, but couldn't manage the tires and had to pit sooner.
2: Okay, question, last question for for Mercedes here. Okay. So, I think we mentioned last week, you know, when when Hamilton's firing, he seems to his peak is higher than Russell's peak, but look at this low that he's having today. Russell's not really having those lows and he looked great and he was overtaking, he had he had a bonfire under his butt. My question for you, Chris first. This let's say that Mercedes are suddenly title contenders this season, who are you backing? <laughs> who do you think wins out of Russell and Hamilton? given that that seems to be the pattern that's playing out
4: i got to go for george because even russell. at the moment even if you know theoretically lewis's peak is higher i don't i haven't seen this peak all
2: season long Well, you uh, over no amazing. no hang on over russell i mean like if you look at the pace last weekend at baku he very clearly had a very clear pace advantage over russell i mean it
4: was he was alright i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't call it like it, was, know, comprehensive. Sparkling it form. was
2: comprehensive it was comprehensive in terms of the teammate battle, Stuffy, know. who would the you pick out those two? No. I, I, st- I agree. I, this fact, your number, look, your numbers. Right, let's go back. Right, it's now a Baku review. I disagree to oh, disagree. <laughs> I, was
4: in, I was in Portimao. You I wasn't, wasn't paying even, attention You to weren't the even the watching it. Right,
5: okay. Race. In that case,
2: I'm definitely right.
5: Stuffy, who are you backing? I, I still back Lewis because he's got seven world titles at the end of the day. George is still trying to obviously bring the car forward. They're still both trying to bring the car forward. But what we're seeing at the moment is that sport isn't always about how well you perform. It's how bad your bad days are. And at the moment, George's bad days are a lot better than Lewis's. But Lewis has been at the top of F1 for the last decade in regards to the machinery he's had and the team and fighting for championships and stuff. And this is kind of new for him. It's a long time for him to kind of experience or any driver to experience this. Um, and George has obviously come from a lower team up to a higher team, and it's different, different kind of perspectives and outlooks on things. So,
1: yeah.
3: Uh, this one is easy, guys. Lewis having the worst of seasons is still ahead 56-40 in points. So, yeah, I don't know. Hamilton. Okay, let's quickly go down the field
2: a little bit McLaren having an absolute nightmare. Uh McLaren opt for the softs that doesn't work and once again it does seem to be McLaren's tactics and I, I've brought this up a couple of times this season. They are are they seem desperate to do the Jensen button intermediate weather coin flips and they are they're just looking for that what can we do completely differently and it, and if it happens to pay off we look like geniuses. And Chris, they're doing it in tech. They're doing it, seem to be doing it in strategy. And, uh, and, and once again, it's not worked.
4: It's so bizarre how they seem to be right up there one weekend. And then, Mm. you know, this weekend, they seem like one of the slowest cars out there and starting on the soft tires was definitely a little bit of a hail Mary. Uh, But I don't think they were helped by the fact that DeFries just completely wiped into Norris at the start of the race. And, I think, Wait a minute. Uh, are we
2: are we saying that was are we saying that without argument that was DeFreeze's fault? That's yes. that's not how things work here. Now we normally oh, it's just a fact. We normally play a game called "Whose Fault Is It." Um, but for this show, uh, my daughter VV has has made a, an alternate bumper for the segment where we assign blame. You're wrong. You go, Matt. You're wrong. That's how I need to clip that for whenever for when Chris is talking about Baku pace that he didn't even watch the race of. I can just go. You're wrong. Okay. So, who's wrong in that in that incident? Actually, I'm so surprised, Chris. There was no big contact, no big shunt, no yellow flag, no safety car, and um, no contact. Everyone was well behaved. I was told the the, the track was going to get washed uh, of, of yeah. grip. It was going to be horrible for everyone. But it was um, it was all far too decent and grown up. Do you think after Australia they got a talking to like you lot are making
4: us look like mugs? Behave! Oh, know there was there was supposed to be a huge huge washout. It was going to absolutely hammer it down during the race, and people were going to be aquaplaning ac- off left, right, and centre. None of it ever happened. Um, so to conclude the shortest, <laughs> sorry, whose fault is it? Segment. It's called ever. you're wrong this uh, week, despite the. Amazing talent of your daughter, who definitely inherited Mrs. Spanish genes. Hey, no, <laughs> it was Diffreese's fault. And the, the problem is,
2: like, we were well wishing De Vries, you know, like as as Formula E fans, and and it would have been nice to see him come in and, and make his mark. But at the moment, we're only hearing about him f- for the wrong reasons, and it's mm. it's happening, it's happening a lot. It's happening not just in the race, but like in practices, and it's um. Yeah. We need to.
4: Yeah. Tara's like the ninth
5: best car. Yeah.
2: And we need to, we basically need to not hear about De Vries for about four or five races. And I think that will count as success at the moment. Stuff. Yes.
5: Yeah. He's not having a good start to the season, is he? Uh, Just harking back or looping back to uh, McLaren, a bit of a stat for you. Um, Norris's best lap was way slower. I don't know exact, but it was. About two seconds slower than uh, Verstappen's personal best lap, and it was a lot slower than Verstappen's average lap. Now, of course, the Red Bull is supreme this year, but that is some golf for the McLaren. Uh, apart from a bit of a glory run in practice two, where Norris was in the top 10, um, they was just at the bottom of the timing sheets this whole week, and... Yeah, uh, not having a good time this season whatsoever. The issue is five years
4: ago, two seconds would have put you inside the top ten. The problem is the fact that the field between between Aston and everyone else, there's just absolutely nothing between them. It seems. So, Got to move with the
5: times, Chris. Got to move oh, with the times.
4: Oh, oh, I know. I'm just adding context <laughs> to this seemingly abhorrent performance, which is actually not as bad as we think.
3: Well. <laughs> it seems to often fall to me to provide false hope to long-suffering supporters of teams like Ferrari and McLaren. Yes, so, so. I, I I will do my best. They showed up. They have a brand new, massive update to the car. And as we saw with Alpine, for example, it, it sometimes takes more than practice one to really get fully on top of that and optimize it so that you are indeed as fast as you'd like to be. And also, for those, um, this is a post-race thing I heard, uh, who know the name Gilles de Ferrand, he is now back at McLaren and working with them. And he is, well, you know, the word legend would, you know, kind of fit in terms of uh, if you're a motorsports fan. So it's not over yet. That's what I would tell you McLaren people. Don't give up all the hope. But, uh, you know, yeah, uh, false <laughs> idols and all that.
2: Uh, on a more positive American note. The Americans did quite well. Haas looked, looked punchy, and uh, it was nice to see Magnuson, A, get a fourth place, and B, just looked very racy. Hulkenberg was holding off Hamilton. Uh, Chris,
4: come on, that was all right. I legit thought you were going to talk about Logan Sargent, oh. and you were going to, like, Ooh. run in. No, <laughs> no. Danica
3: did good. She's oh, my American. word.
4: But, yes, Haas were amazing. So, congratulations, America. You've got a chance to win some free Chipotle, now, because Haas said they were going to do that if they got into the points, so well done you.
2: All right, good. Well, that was that's positive. And thing is, they've got two good drivers, Matt. And if they can get something, you know, to, if they can recreate whatever it was that was letting them be a little bit competitive today, then you know the, those drivers will deliver. As long as it's not a podium, because Holkenberg made a deal with the devil where he can never ever get a podium.
5: Yeah. Just a quick one on Haas. It it seems to be they they can't get both drivers to perform at the same time. Um, it's <laughs> it's one or the other. Obviously, Hulkenberg's taken most of the plaudits. Magnus has taken a little while to get off the mark, but obviously benefited from the, the obviously red flag in qualifying, starting P4. I think we all expected him to drop down the grid, but they they seem to have an okay car that can pick up points and maybe even take it to the Alpines. Um, but yeah, it's um, they can't get one or they can't get both of them firing at the same time, it seems, um, if they can do that, then yeah, we could see him flying out for the points a lot more.
4: And after Gunther Steiner's shot across Kevin Magnussen's bow, rather prematurely, I felt, rewarned warned him, you better start delivering or we're going to sack you, even though we're, you know, three races into the season or whatever we are. Magnussen did an amazing job and was head and shoulders a bit above Hulkenberg all weekend, doing exactly what he needs to do.
2: And then uh, speaking of uh, Alpine, Matt, uh, the, the CEO, Rossi, he um, he said of Ocon, it's disappointing. It's actually bad. In fact, it's amateurish. No, he said that about like the whole team, like team. the whole engineering.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's rough. Well, it's the kind of thing where I read that remark and, and my response is like, wait a minute. How much do you actually have you just been looking at headlines on planet F1? You know, because that's really not where the team is. If you, if you, if you dig beneath the surface, but then again, um, just at the end of the race, I heard apparently there is a fair amount of alleged talk in the paddock. Oh, to yeah, use the A word yeah, properly yeah, there. Think. Thank you. That some previously planned changes are simply being uh, the way is being greased for them. Let's say that so uh, there may be some big changes coming at Alpine stuff. Yeah, I assume so. Not drivers. No, no no drivers are in a contract. It would be uh, management or technical staff. I would assume.
2: Okay, well then, let's see what happens there at uh, Alpine. Beg your pardon, as we move on to the podium. So for me, an overall fun Sunday, and I do I do wish we'd go back to specifically UK-centric timings. And I'm not just talking about the fact that Baku felt a little bit too early to have a Sunday beer midday. Yeah, I know. I know there's rules, but it didn't quite feel in the F1 zone. And and forget about the fact that today was, it was too late, so I felt like if I had a, a beer with the race, I would have fallen asleep during this race review i'm not talking about that i'm talking specifically about starting races on a half hour no races start on an o'clock something o'clock at least not a half past that's weird and that needs to end there was one year of it being at 10 past and that was in my opinion the worst year of formula one only specifically for that reason but Miss Apex Podcast gives out some awards at the end of the show. So we start off positive, then we end a bit negative. So positively, we do the Thing of the Weekend Award. Well, Matt, Matt Trumpets, Matt2Rumpets at MattPT55 on Twitter. Matt Trumpets on Facebook and Instagram. Can't believe that segment's still called Thing of the Weekend. Eight years and we've never come up with a with a better name for it.
3: Uh, We are lazy at heart. It is true.
2: Mm. Okay. And in your lazy opinion, the thing is, it was meant to be like the driver of the weekend. But because we've been calling it thing of the weekend, that is extended to uh, an emotion, a feeling, a swimming pool or a living mattress on a floppy swamp planet.
3: Signs, hair. I mean, you just could be
2: anything. Could be anything. Who is it for you this weekend?
3: Whatever clever person plotted out Lewis Hamilton's strategy. Yes. And despite his exceeding reluctance to employ said strategy, I think I think you know uh, you said it best. If you'd offered him that before the beginning of the race, he'd have he'd have taken it and and been quite happy with it. So kudos to the unnamed Mercedes strategist,
2: Derek, in, who in put strategy, put that all yeah. together
3: because that was that was that was a lovely 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 thing to watch.
2: And while we're giving credit to race engineers, then my thing of the weekend we'll go to the Red Bull, Max Verstappen's race engineer, whose name is eluding me briefly, but I'm sure...
4: Gian Piero Lambiassi. Uh, that
2: is such a cool name. Gian Piero Lambiassi. Why can't I be called that instead of Richard, a name now exclusively for middle-aged men? So, uh, yeah, so he's Max Verstappen is, like, you know, really got the, you know, uh, fire in his belly. He's, he's hunting down Sergio Perez, and he's already thinking about the pit stop and go make sure we analyze the characteristics of the medium tire so that we know how much wing to put in. I just couldn't believe how much of his engineer, he didn't just go like, you know, I'm, I'm all over it. I've got it. He literally said, "I that's my job. I'm going to do that. You just concentrate on driving. I just went, "Ooh, I, they, I'm sure they have a brilliant relationship, but that was like a full slap down. That was the equivalent of Kimi Raikkonen doing his leave me alone. I know what I'm doing, except from an engineer. So I'm going to give that to... Uh, to Gian Piero, yes, really Lambiaz. is oh, Lambiasi. I think that that's it's too good a name. Uh, Stuffy, where can we follow you? Where can we find your sim racing stuff?
5: Uh, over on YouTube, um, double f e double y. It's, don't ask Do, don't, me. It's we're going to we're going put
2: a link in the show notes. All it's my last the, name. That's look what. in the show notes in your app or on YouTube, and you'll get you can just one click away from all of Stuffy's
5: stuff. Uh, who yeah. who got the thing of the weekend for you? Yuki Tsunoda, and I've been a harsh critic of his over the last couple of years, and I think he thoroughly warrants it um, because he did just finish outside the points, but he's consistently outperforming his teammate. And now some people will say that's not difficult, but ultimately there's a lot of pressure on him this year. I think it's his last opportunity. He's the leader of the team and he scored some points. I think that's his third 11th place finish but he's done it in kind of style when this weekend, okay on the alternate strategy, but was it six places, seven places? I think, uh, I think he deserves it.
2: I'm going to have to do the angry short guy thing again with the Sonoda's <laughs> height stuff. So LL Cool J who I love was doing all the things. he go, yeah, Alonso two time world champion up and coming future stars, such and such a thing. And then for Sonoda, he basically said he might be really tiny but he's still he's still okay he's still kind of valid as a person despite being really tiny and that's the first thing i mentioned can everyone just stop doing that can you just get over the fact that is that's a legitimate normal human being yet all anyone talks about is that physical characteristic stop it chris what's your thing of the weekend
4: well my thing of the weekend uh, made me laugh a lot for all the wrong reasons and that was the new, freshly released Will I Am and Lil Wayne tune? What's it called? But if you, it's, I, don't, I don't know, this is the formula or something like that. What just honestly, just look it up. It is the greatest it, thing you will ever listen this to. This is the
2: formula stay in your lane. Yeah, towards the yeah. end, they just keep saying, Stay in your lane, stay in <laughs> your lane. It's like, hang on a minute, no, that's lanes don't apply, it's not a motorway sport. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's
4: Spanish, I know you will look, 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 love it.
2: OK, it's worth checking out. You're are welcome. Uh, yes. You know, watch the video as well to go with it. So that's the video thing.
4: actually slaps. The video,
2: the video <laughs> actually is really good. Well, excellent. Well, well, we're not doing good things now. We're moving on. the bad thing award let's judge people oh no
5: you missed the apex oh
2: look at us from our sheds and sofas judging everyone who wants to be all judgy first uh let's go to uh, chris chris in there what's your oh you're chris stevens by the way you know that yeah
4: i was gonna say can i can i plug my stuff yeah plug because because as you as you know as Mm. you know i've been i've been away i've been Mm. away for a while uh, and and that is because the last weekend yeah. I was in Portugal commentating on the first round of the International GT Open in. uh, Championship, and. It's back again this month. We have the the endurance race uh, for the second round at Spa Francorchamps, and it's at the end of this month uh, in uh, the end of May. Okay. Now I know that weekend it's the Monaco Grand Prix and it's the Indy 500, and we also have our own M for M 12 hour thing on <laughs> iRacing going on that weekend. But if you could just please <laughs> watch that instead some time, okay? Some
5: time well, I'll tell you
4: what we'll at do: Google uh, or look up on YouTube uh, International GT Open, and you'll find my stuff on there. And give us a follow on social media at Chris on Racing on Twitter. Instagram and TikTok.
2: And who missed the apex for you this weekend? Chuck. Charles I mean, like,
4: Yeah. I, look, I can I can sort of forgive him and with this aggr- aggressive setup thing and say, maybe, maybe that was why Charles didn't do well. Oh, I really hope it wasn't, but yeah. like gee darn, what an awful weekend.
2: Yeah, some recovery needed. There, Matt,
3: two rumpets, who missed the apex for you? Um Well, since you ask me so politely, I I'll respond to Every single uh, European who discovered exactly what weather in Miami is like and complained yeah. about it <laughs> bitterly. Oh, it's to—it's 82 degrees, guys. It's like, really, that's not even hot for Florida, let me tell you.
2: 82 seems like a really high number for temperature. I'm assuming that's nearly oven temperature.
3: Uh, that's Fahrenheit, not Celsius, okay. because we are, in, uh, we are in a place that uses reasonable temperature units and not silly scientific ones. Never heard of it.
2: Stuffy, you you're back in the chair just in time you're lucky. I was going to oh, do yes. my perfect stuffy impression then, uh but I can't now cuz you're back. Who missed the apex for you? Uh
5: the little kids who were spending their time around on F1 inflatables in the uh oh, swimming yeah. pool in the fake marina. I mean, do they not know they were an F1 race? <laughs> Uh, only because I was jealous, but yeah. I wasn't doing no, no, exactly no, the same but considering thing. Considering but... that
2: there was very little support races, you would think that the few sessions that are on, they would they would be flooding to the stands, right? Um, and despite despite Miami claiming that it was a sellout and better than last year, I did a really sad thing and I went back and looked at all the practice sessions uh, from Friday and Saturday last year, and it was it was. Like, it was very obviously less people there, like, to to quite a high degree. Um, So I'll, I'll give that a little bonus, Mist Apex, as well. Uh, but that is our panel. Go and follow Stuffy. Go and follow Chris Stevens. And go and follow Matt2Rumpets. And follow me as well, Spanners. I'm the best one. At SpannersReady on Twitter. Richard Ready on Facebook. Uh, still some karting spots available. Look out iRacers because the Mist Apex F3.5 Cup is coming up very Are very soon there's a pra- no. yeah, we're no. going to get a practice session out mm. on Tuesday where we'll invite you to have an open session with us in the 3.5 and we will see what the reaction is but it is looking good for that if you're new to Mist Apex thank you so much for joining us follow us at Mist Apex F1 until we see you next time work hard be kind and have fun this was Miss Apex Podcast <laughs>